go ahead and pray for us. Father God, I thank you for this morning, Lord. I thank you, God, for your strength, Lord. I thank you for your peace, God. I thank you, Father, that your mercies are new every morning, Lord. I thank you, God, for your freedom in this country and freedom in Christ, Lord. And I thank you, God, just for the privilege of um, coming together, God. And may we not ever take it for granted, God. And we know, Father, that there are those that don't have that privilege, God. And so we thank you so much that we do. In Jesus' name.
Father, that you call us to a life to be born again of the Spirit, to, to walk in the Spirit habitually so that we will not gratify the desires of the flesh. God, you yourself, Lord, you're living in us, empowering us if we are believers to accomplish the good works in which you have set before us, Lord, to advance your kingdom, to bring glory and honor to your name, to live in a darkened world, and yet to bear your light, your truth. So, Father, I pray that we would be awakened as your word is being read this morning. I pray, Holy Spirit, that we would be attentive, that our hearts would be of good soil. Father, you would open our eyes that we may see and open our ears that we may hear. And that your word would take root into our hearts, that our lives would be transformed, that we may live for you and live out this word. I thank you, Father, just for the opportunity to gather this morning. That we don't have to hide, but God, that we can come and gather throughout this nation as Christians. I pray, God, that we would never take it for granted. I pray, Father, that we would honor you and our gatherings that your truth would go forth and captives would be set free. I pray this day, Lord, in Jesus' name, amen. All right, good morning. Good morning. 1 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 20. Before the kingdom of God is not just a lot of talk, that it's living by God's power. It just can't be a lot of blah, 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 blah and nothing behind it. We are Christians. If, if we're calling ourselves Christians, if we accepted the Lord Jesus as our Savior, if we are confessing out of our mouth that He has been resurrected from the dead, if we believe in our hearts that He is the Son of God, Jesus says that we are born again of a new nature to live differently, not in and of our own strength and power, but a life dependent upon the Holy Spirit, empowered by God Himself to accomplish what God has called each one of us to complete in our lifetime the works in which He's created us to do. So you're not an accident. Amen. God has purposed us for such a time as this. For such a time as this, you all. I don't know about you, but I hope that over these past months, as you've heard the word of the Lord preached, I pray that you've been reflective. I pray that you've gone into prayer. I've, I pray that you've asked the Holy Spirit to, to empower you to live a bold life in a darkened world. That when we hear over and over and <coughs> over here that we are behind enemy lines, 
that that's awakening us each morning to recognize that we need to be diligent and seeking the one who has called us out. To, to try to live the Christian life and not diligently seek the one who is this life is an error because you won't be able to do it. You won't be able to do it. You'll just become religious and will miss what God has for us. You see, I told you last week, just as much as the kingdom of God is advancing, the enemy is advancing. His kingdom. But the good news is, is his kingdom can never overtake the kingdom of God. Amen. But as Christians, we have to wise up. You have to look at what's going on in the world. You have to look at what's going on around you. Are you partaking of that which is good? Or are you partaking of that which is bad? Of light or darkness? Of the kingdom of God or the kingdom of the Satan? Last week we talked about, you know, the, these religious people. They were, they were stating and claiming that they were children of Abraham, that they were children of God. And Jesus said, no, you're the, your father is the devil. <laughs> your father is the devil. You, you, you're, you twist scripture, you live however you want, and you're so far away from God. And then in Scripture, whenever you see that, uh, when Jesus gets really, you know, stern, and when he gets really, you know, focused, and, 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 getting, and, and just declaring, I mean, truth, it's towards the religious people. Because they're hindering the will and the work of the Father. They're actually working for the devil. And yet they look right. They're so far from God. Like I told you last week, the enemy, the enemy doesn't mind you having Jesus on your lips. What he minds is you having Jesus in your heart. He is working overtime to destroy you. And the sad thing is, is that it's your choice right. to follow him. It's your choice to give in to everything that he is offering you. Since you took your first breath, you are bent towards rebellion, towards sin. Your flesh loves it. But God sent his one and only son that whoever would believe in him shall not perish but have eternal life. Like when you get a revelation of Jesus, when you get a revelation that he is the resurrected son of God, that he has defeated sin and death, that this nature that you are bent towards can now find freedom in the one who came to straighten it up. That you can walk upright in a crooked world. That you don't have to continue to be a part of the same pattern of destruction over and over and over and over, but that you can live afresh and anew. Amen. Again, not in and of your own self, but in Christ. 
Do you wake up every day and recognize yourself in Christ? Not Don't recognize your failures. Don't recognize anything else. But are you recognizing that you are in Christ? Do you, do you know what it means to be in Christ? To, to have a wholeness about you. To have a fullness about you. To walk in a wholeness and in a fullness and not gravitating towards things and towards people who are trying to fill you with emptiness. Know how I pray that each of us are experiencing the fullness of Christ. The fullness of Christ. That we're just not a people with a lot of words, but that we are people who are walking in the power of God. Advancing His kingdom daily. That we're living for the kingdom of God. Not for the kingdom of this world, not for the kingdom of hell, for the kingdom of darkness, but for the kingdom of God, recognizing who he is and who we are in him, desiring him above all, respecting him above all. In this generation, God is being stripped from everything, of everything. And there's such a level of attack on truth. There's such a level of attack on Christians. To live a moral life, you are looked down upon. So I don't want to play church with you all and pretend. Like, I'm wondering, are you really equipped for what you're facing out there? Like, when others want to do this, Are you standing and letting yourself know that you can't go that way? When God is being challenged every which way, are you standing up for truth? Are you praying for your lost friends and for your family? Are you asking God to give you the strength to overcome the sin that so easily entangles you? Because the Bible says that you're to throw off that sin. The Bible says that he makes a way out of every temptation. (coughs) Like the temptation is not the sin. When you're pulled, when you're trying to be drawn away from God, you can't, in and of yourself, stop yourself from going that way. But only he can. You can turn to him. And he will give you the strength to endure to get through it, to get over it. Like to truly trust God, to walk with God, to abide in Christ. This is the hope that we have. In a crazy and wicked and perverse world, this is the hope that we have. Do you have that hope today? Like I keep telling y'all, and I, and I really want you to give thought to this because I keep saying it over these past few weeks, but have you given thought to it? Like Christian people, the government, employers, schools, like we want Christians. In the natural sense of things, you would want a group of people who are peaceful, who mind their own business, 
who don't get caught up in drama, who, who serve faithfully, who give generously. This is how a Christian should live. But I want you to think, and when you hear the word Christian, what you think of? Is that who you see? Because that's what you ought to be seeing. And you should see it in yourself. People who do not gossip or backbite or slander. People who don't give in to perversion or trying to find their worth in the worldly things and in worldly relationships. No, they're just people who live God-fearing lives, decent lives, not in and of themselves, not promoting themselves to be better than anyone. No, they're actually to be lower, to serve and to love and to esteem no class of people that, that one's higher than the other. No, that we, we're all equal. And yet, these are the people who are being slaughtered all over the earth today. Don't believe me? Go Google it. Do you know how many Christians are in prison? Do you know how many Christians who are being slaughtered for their faith? And see, I don't want to just be a pastor or, or have a little church and, oh, this is just what we do. And then it doesn't mean anything to our lives. Because how foolish would that be? When people are giving up their lives. And then even in our own nation, I keep telling you all, it's not easy being a Christian. And it's going to get harder. And so as a pastor who cares for your eternal souls, who cares for your growth as a Christian, i got to keep parked here where we've been over these past few weeks because I'm concerned. Are you able to stand for Jesus? And I'm not asking you if you come to church. I'm not asking you if you, if you give in the offering. I'm not asking you if you serve in different ministries. I'm not asking any of that. Because unsaved people can do all that. Religious people can do all that. And they think they're accomplishing something by doing, doing, and doing, and doing. And somehow they're right with God, but that doesn't make you right with God. What makes you right with God is Christ. Jesus. And you know if you belong to Him because you're bearing fruit. Your life is changing. It's a transformation. You're a work in progress. You're not seeking to abide in sin or in self. And you're seeking to abide in Christ. Like, do you hunger for the things of God? Because you ought to. Because if not, you're not going to stand up against this generation and the generation to come. There is a move in this generation to strip down God. Like I just said, and I have said, why would these governments want to round up Christians? 
It doesn't make sense to the natural eye and to the natural mind. So you see the force behind it. It's not natural, it's spiritual. There is an enemy. <laughs> but I've told you all and I keep telling you. So if he kills ten, God will raise up a thousand. <laughs> the church has always <laughs> flourished. And she will continue to flourish throughout this earth until his return. This is the kingdom. We don't have to be sad. We don't have to look down. We don't have to feel defeated. No, each day we get up. Because our God, if you're claiming to be a Christian, is on the throne. I was thinking, I've been thinking about this. Like, if you really do your diligence in reading this book and allowing the Holy Spirit to bring forth truth to what He has written from the beginning to the end, it is amazing how words that were penned thousands of years ago are happening today. Like, even if I wanted to turn from Christ and say, I don't want to follow Jesus anymore. I want to live however I want to live. Not only do I have to look at his cross and say, that wasn't... That wasn't powerful enough. Your resurrection didn't mean anything because I'm still the same old me and I don't want to live for you. No, I would have to say, You're, this is all a lie. But how can I say it's a lie when I see everything in it truth? Like when he talks about the age in which we're living in, when he talks about what's coming up on the earth, and how dare we see this and then try to live lives and say there is no God. Because that's what we're doing when we're living apart from him. We're saying there is no God. Remember what I said to you last week. What you're fighting against and what you're actually saying is that you're not love. There is no love. Because God is love. He's the essence of love. And yet the enemy knows that we all crave to be loved. And he throws everything in our path to love us. And everyone in our path to love us. Because he perverts everything that is true. So why, if you're seeking to be loved, and that's a desire in every human being, would you turn from love? The very essence of God, of who He is, is love. Like He first loves you. Like you're in complete rebellion. He knows that is your nature, but He loves you. And He loves you enough not to allow you to stay in that nature that is against Him. He reveals Himself to you. He delivers you from the kingdom of darkness. He delivers you from the power of sin. He heals you. He holds you. He completes you. So that you can live a life that is just not a lot of talk, but of power. Amen. And oh, how we as the church have to start living 
empowered. Because that's how people are going to know there's something different about us. Not that we, you know, scream from the highest of mountains. <laughs> Not that we talk, 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 and oh yeah, yeah. And, and, and even if you're sharing every day out there about Jesus, but if your life does not honor Jesus, you're doing more harm than danger. I mean, you're doing more harm than good. <coughs> what they need to see is a transformed life. That's what the resurrection does. I told you, if Jesus just stayed on the cross and we buried him in a tomb and that was it, well, that's it. There's no hope to be different. There's no hope to change. There's no good news, the Bible says. But because he rose from the dead, the very things that enslave us, when we come to Christ, we are now freed from. Amen. And freed indeed. <laughs> like you are freed if you're in Christ. So learn to live as one who is freed. Stop going back to the chains, to your vomit. But we must grow. We must grow and the knowledge of God and of our Lord Jesus. You see, that's the problem in the church today. <coughs> We're not growing. We're not growing. And that is the problem. We must grow. Remember I said last week, it all comes down to obedience. Are you obeying? I mean, Jesus, remember, Jesus himself says, why do you call me Lord, Lord, and do not obey? Listen, your disobedience isn't cute. No matter how much you want to post on Facebook, Instagram, social media, your disobedience isn't cute or pretty. It's foolish. It's foolish. And you may want to celebrate it, and you may want to do whatever with everyone else running amok in the world. But it looks foolish. And it looks foolish because you're saying you're a Christian. And Christians aren't yoked to foolishness. Christians are yoked to the resurrected King of Kings and Lord of Lords. That is who you are yoked to. That is who you belong to now. Not because he forces you, but because you willingly gave your life to him. <coughs> you willingly surrendered. Not my life, but yours, Lord. I belong to you. And there is a lot of crazy teachings in the church today who are keeping people enslaved to religion. And we better wake up. We better wake up because just as the world out there is getting darker, the climate in the church is getting darker. And we're warned all throughout Scripture, be careful of false teachers. Be careful. Be careful 
of what's creeping in, giving you the right to yourself, giving you the right to abide in self and still try to claim the inheritance of Christ. It can't be done. It can't be done. Like, see, we are at war. And we've got to start thinking that way. And remember, our battle is not with flesh and blood, but our battle is against the rulers of the heavenly places. And in this, we must understand as Christians, the battle is not ours, it's the Lord's. And so we have to have a shifting of mindset to truth. And so today, that's what we're going to walk through. My prayer, my hope as we walk through a lot of scripture today is that we begin to start having a mindset, a shifting of a mindset, and we start getting rooted in truth so that we will grow in the knowledge of God and in of our Lord Jesus. Because that's the only way we're going to be transformed. That's the only way that we're going to have power in our life is by growing in knowledge of God and our Lord Jesus daily. You you don't arrive at some point and say, look, now I'm a perfect Christian. Oh, no, 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 no. You're not perfect until you are with him. Until then, you got to keep growing. You got to keep growing. And there's so much more to know of Christ. There's so much more freedom. There's so much more joy. There's so much more power to obtain, to walk upright in a crooked world when everything out there is against you. Your nature in Christ, that is. Where have your thoughts been this week? Where have your thoughts been? Where's your attitude been? Where's your desires been? You know where you're at in your walk with Christ. You know where you're at. But you don't beat yourself up. But it better be an awakening to you to go, wait a minute, I've lived the majority of this week for myself. God, that's not how it should be. Forgive me. Because the Holy Spirit is convicting you. You felt the conviction throughout the week. You know what's right and wrong. You know when you're choosing wrong and when you ought not to. And you and yourself don't have the strength. So did you ask him, God, I need strength in this. I need to strength to turn from it. I need strength to run from it. I need strength just to keep my mouth shut. I need strength to take every thought captive and, and bring it into your obedience. God, I need strength. See, that's how you're talking. You're in agreement with God. I can't live right. But you can live in and through me. And he's not some you know, strange being, (laughs) some made-up being, because some made-up being, (laughs) words would not be what we're facing today. See, man didn't create God. It's God who created man. 
And God has a plan and God has a purpose. So I want you to go to first, um, actually, let's go to Colossians. Nope, go to stay in 1 Corinthians chapter 10 is where we're going first. Chapter 10, 1, verses 1 through 14. Some of these scriptures are scriptures we've, we've read already. Some of these scriptures I've preached on probably multiple times before. But I believe we have to get them back in front of us. And I pray that you would take these scriptures and sit in them this week and ask yourself, am I living this way? And where you see that you're not, that you're asking the Holy Spirit to strengthen you in this area. It's okay not to have your life together. (laughs) But it's not okay (laughs) to stay stuck. Like there's work to be done, you all. It's getting darker. And you're to be growing brighter. What do you do when the fire starts going out? You add more wood. You add more, more fuel to it. You need to be a raging fire in this generation. Do you remember what we read last week about the rich man and Lazarus? Does anyone remember? The rich man ended up in a place of torment. Remember when he died? He had everything in this world. Had all the luxuries, had everything going for him. And yet, in his death, he was carried away in a place of torment. And then the sick man was carried away by angels with Abraham. And remember, the rich man begged. Like, just let him dip his finger and get just put a drop of water. (laughs) Send him back to my family members. Let them know the truth. And Abraham says, they don't even believe the writings of the prophets. And even if if he rose from the dead, they still wouldn't believe. You see, mankind is always going to go after what mankind wants. Mankind is not bent towards the things of God. So even if you are bent towards the things of God, then you recognize it's not of yourself, but it's the Holy Spirit. It's the power of God. So that in and of itself should make you aware that He's real. Because like I've told you before, you would not wake up and say, oh, I'm going to follow Jesus today. No, that's not how it goes. You in and of yourself would never turn to do what is right. But God has a purpose and a plan from the beginning, even before the earth was formed, to have a people that he will call his own. And in return, they will call him their God that they would live for him, that they would love him with their whole being. And God has made it possible through Jesus Christ for us to live upright, to live free, to live different. That no matter what our physical circumstances are, we can rise above them. 
even if we're chained in shackles because of him, mm. beaten in prison, that we could still have the joy of Christ. Come on, you all. We have to shift the mindset. We have to get rooted in. And we have to understand this chapter that we're about to read. These are lessons from Israel's idolatry. Remember Israel. These are the people that God, that we're reading about in the Old Testament, God put, pulled aside for himself, and yet they're going to start really messing up. Because right now we left them in the, in the temple. Remember, they created the tabernacle, I say. They're learning how to worship God. That's where we left them. But as we get back through reading through the Bible, we're going to see that they're going to start turning from God. They're going to start living however they want. He goes here, chapter 10, Paul's writing to the church in Corinth. I don't want you to forget, dear brothers and sisters, about our ancestors in the wilderness long ago. Look at this. Hmm. All of them were guided by a cloud that moved ahead of them. And all of them walked through the sea on dry ground. In the cloud and in the sea, all of them were baptized as followers of Moses. All of them ate the same spiritual food and all of them drank the same spiritual water. And look at this line. Underline it. Highlight it. For they drank from the spiritual rock that traveled with them, and that rock was Christ. Yet God was not pleased with most of them, and their bodies were scattered in the wilderness. These things happened, look at this, as a warning to us, so that we would not crave evil things as they did, or worship idols as some of them did. As the scriptures say, the people celebrated with feasting and drinking, and they indulged in pagan rivalry. And we must not engage in sexual immorality, as some of them did, causing 23,000 of them to die in one day. And remember, people like to blame God. Everyone likes to point their little finger at God and say, look at that horrible God. How could a horrible God do this? And our fingers are not to be pointed to God. <laughs> our fingers should be pointing at ourselves. How can we do this to a loving God? See, God always gets a bad rap. <laughs> but God is just. And God is holy. And God will not tolerate disobedience and he will not tolerate sin. 23,000 of them died in one day because they gave themselves over to darkness. Instead of following God, instead of trusting in God, and remember God has done incredible, incredible miracles in front of them. I mean, they saw the power of God displayed, and yet they still turned from Him. Oh, we better learn about our desires. They're strong, you all. No matter what it is. And it's so funny that today that the church doesn't know what to do with sin. 
It's incredible the things that I hear that are just allowing to go on and on and on and on. Like we need to deal with sin in our lives and in the lives of the church. We must deal with it. We must learn. Look what the Bible says. The reason why you have the Old Testament. Look what that scripture says there. So perk up as we're walking through the Old Testament. Because verse 6, these things happened as a warning to who? To us. To today. People today. Look how they turned from God. And then in verse 9, nor should we put Christ to the test, as some of them did and then died from snake bites. Hmm. And look at verse 10 here. And don't grumble as some of them did. And then were destroyed, look at this, by the angel of death. Now, notice, it's sin. Rather, you're engaging in sexual morality. Rather, you're engaging in drunkenness. Rather, you're engaging in feasting and carrying on like a madman. Or, if you're just grumbling about life. Like, do we see the seriousness of sin? See, in order for that mindset to be the mindset to be shifted, we've got to see the seriousness of sin. It's not funny anymore. It's killing people. And it's hindering people coming from God because they look at people who say they are Christians and they're not living for God, and so they go, Well, why should I live for God? Because they're getting away with it. No, we got to see the seriousness of sin. It's destructive. It's killing people. Verse 11, these things happened to them as examples for us. They were written down, look at this, to warn us who live at the end of the age. At the end of the age. The age before Christ returns. And I know we like to think everyone's going to heaven, but not everyone is. And Jesus knows that because he knows the hearts of men and women. He knows what's ahead of us and what we're facing when things are turning darker and darker and people are giving themselves over to everything and anything. Oh, did you hear about California? There's a law that is being introduced that is going to make pedophilia legal as long as there's a 10-year gap of age. Oh my, how the times are getting darker. That we as a nation would allow children and predators to coexist. Like, oh, we better wake up. But it's just not sexual morality. I mean, look at the level of selfishness that's rising up. Because look at the number of selfies that are plastered all over the place. 
Look how people are turning to look at themselves and then promote themselves. Look at the chaos and the confusion and the disorder that's running amok. Look at, look at, there's no respect for authority. Look at the increase of violence in the occult rising up. And oh, we better wake up, we better wake up, we better wake up. These were written down to warn us. He goes on, if you think you are standing strong, you think you got your Christian life all together, be careful not to fall. Don't be so prideful that you've got it all together as a Christian. No. The temptations in your life are no different from what others experience. And I need you all to underline that and highlight that so that the next time you think that what you're being tempted by, you can't bring out into the light. The enemy has a plan to deceive you into thinking you're the only one feeling this way. Listen, we're all tempted in all different fashions and forms. And that's what saddens me. That instead of the church addressing it, instead of the church coming alongside people who are tempted and bound by all types of, of sin, we're not equipping people on how to address these temptations. No, it's sad that I hear the church giving in to the ways of the world and helping people become what they're tempted by. Because look at the following verses here. So first we understand the temptation in your life are no different than what others experience. And God is faithful. Amen. He will not allow the temptation, look at this, to be more than you can stand. When you are tempted, look at this, He will show you a way out so that you can endure. No matter what that temptation is. No matter what it is. And that temptation, that desire, does not define you unless you allow it to define you. Unless you start celebrating it and identifying with it. But remember, as a Christian, as a Christian, the Bible says that you have nailed those desires to what? To his cross. And who is faithful? God is faithful. Remember, it's that mindset that is shifting so that you can walk in the fullness of Christ. Don't give in. Don't give up. No, endure. I love that word, to endure. Because how do you grow? You must endure. And so many of us give up so easily. We give up and we go back. Or we give up and we just stop. But you're not growing. Your growth is now stunted. You're not going to get any further. It's just the same old, same old, same old, same old pattern. 
that will eventually draw you away from God. To water down truth. Oh, we've got to wake up. So, my dear friends, flee from the worship of idols. You are responsible people. Look at this. Decide for yourself is what I'm saying is true. You decide. You choose this day whom you will serve. You choose when you get up from this place to say, I want my faith to define me, not my temptations or my desires. I want to believe that Jesus Christ rose from the dead and that he has defeated sin and the power of death. That he has already defeated Satan. Why am I giving myself to the things that are already defeated? No, get up each day, you all. Keep moving forward. <clears throat> Trusting in the power of God. Celebrating His goodness. Worshiping Him. Allowing your spiritual life begin to develop spiritual disciplines in your life. Remember, hell... should shake every time the church wakes up. <laughs> Jesus exposes the darkness. He makes the darkness trembles, tremble. And we are his bride. We are bearing his image. So darkness should tremble when you get up. But it's not going to tremble if you get up after laying down with it. <laughs> you tremble at darkness. And that's not what you were made for. You were not created to, be, to allow darkness to drive fear in your life. You were created to overcome. Amen. And to walk upright. And to share the good news. And to come alongside people. Loving them and serving them and encouraging them on towards the things of God. How are we doing it? Are we doing it? There's a war for your soul. There's a war for the souls of those you love. There's a war for our nation's soul. See, what the enemy loves to do is to keep us ignorant. Keep them dumb. And you keep them down. <laughs> Don't stay dumb, you all. Don't stay ignorant. Learn the ways of God. Grow in the knowledge of God and of our Lord Jesus Christ. Go to Colossians. The book of Colossians, it's after Philippians. So if you find Philippians in the New Testament, the next book, or the next letter, is Colossians. 
We're going to start at Colossians chapter 1, verse 15. And we're going to work our way. It's a very small little letter. We're going to work our way to chapter 4, verse 6. Chapter 1, starting at verse 15, all the way through chapter 4, verse 6. I hope we're ready to eat this morning and eat of the Word of God. Paul, again, is writing this letter. Remember, I'm bringing all these scriptures in front of us. I'm allowing you to hear them being read spoken over you in hopes that your mindset will begin to shift and you begin to think upon the things of God that you would go through your day and not just exist but that you would recognize that everywhere your feet goes you have an opportunity to bear the image of Christ to share the good news, even if people reject him, even if people reject you, that you still get up. Listen, I wouldn't have left my life, you wouldn't leave your life for something that you didn't believe in. Greater yet, someone in whom you didn't believe in. Like if you believe in God... (laughs) and you understand the fullness of who Christ is, and you believe in your heart, and you confess with your mouth, you are born again of a new nature, now all of a sudden Christ compels you to grow up. To start behaving as He would behave. To understand what we're up against every single day. And it's a joyful life. It's an incredible life. It's a full life. It's not a boring life. It's not a, oh God, nothing's fun life. Because if you think Christian, the Christian life is that way, you don't know Christ. You just know law. You just know religion. (laughs) But we must wake up. Because Christ is supreme. Listen to how Paul addresses this. Christ is the visible image of the invisible God. He existed before anything was created and is supreme over all creation. For through him, God created everything in the heavenly realms and on earth, and he made the things we can see and the things we can't see, such as thrones, kingdoms, rulers, and authorities in the unseen world. (coughs) Everything was created through him and for him. He existed before anything else, and he holds all creation together. Christ is also the head of the church, which is his body. He is the beginning supreme over all who rise from the dead. So he is first in everything. For God in all his fullness was pleased to live in Christ. And through him God reconciled everything to himself. He made peace with everything in heaven and on earth by the means of Christ's blood on the cross. 
And the church should say, Amen. Do you see this image? Do you understand the fullness of who Jesus is? On whom we are saying we belong to. On whom we say we lay down our life and we confess that you rose from the dead and we believe that you are the Son of God. Wow. If that doesn't make you happy, I don't know what's going to. I mean, that alone right there should fill you with so much joy to see him for all of his glory. <clears throat> and then he goes on, this includes you who were once far away from God. Look at this. You were his enemies, separated from him by your evil thoughts and actions. Yet now he has reconciled you to himself through the death of Christ in his physical body. As a result, look at this, he has brought you into his own presence and you are holy and blameless as you stand before him. Look at this without a single fault. And we blame God. We, we try to tear apart the character of God because we don't want to believe in him. Oh, no, no, When you believe in God, when you believe that you understand that through Jesus, what he accomplished for you, look at this. You are without fault. You stand before God blameless. Not because you haven't done anything bad, but because Christ has done everything good. <coughs> he paid your penalty. It's the best way I can describe it because I've heard it described multiple times. You are a criminal. You get arrested. You face certain punishment. Maybe you're a murderer. And maybe you are going to go to death row. But then all of a sudden... You have an advocate. You have an attorney, if you would. He says, I'll take their place. Put all of their guilt and their punishment on me. Do you realize that's what Christ did when he went to the cross? He took your place. You and I deserve the wrath of God. You and I deserve the place restored in hell for sinners. But Jesus stepped in. Amen. And he said, I'll take their place. I'll take their punishment. Lay it upon me. That's what he did for us. Have you pictured that? Have you realized the significance of that? Because Jesus did that, you now, if you believe, <laughs> abide in the presence of God, not just when you come to church, but every day. Like, you are abiding in the presence of God. God himself is within you. And so, where did you take Jesus, you all, this week? See, we're not to yoke ourselves to the things that Jesus himself wouldn't partake of. 
No. He makes us blameless. Look at that. Without a single fault. Remember when I talked to you about wholeness? The wholeness that is found in Christ that you don't have to live as a broken person? Do you know what allows your temptations to take hold? Do you know what allows your desires to overtake you? Is your brokenness. When you realize you're not broken, then you're not trying to find something or someone that fixes you. Because the author of life has already healed you. There's nothing missing, nothing broken. You can have peace no matter what you're facing, no matter what's challenging you. And this is what you must remind yourself of, and this is why you need the body of Christ around you, because we are the body of Christ, and we are encouraging each other, edifying each other to continue to grow up, to grow up. Look at what it says here. Verse 23. But you must continue to believe this truth and stand firmly in it. Don't drift away from the assurance you received when you heard the good news. The good news has been preached all over the world. And I, Paul, have been appointed as God's servant to proclaim it. Don't drift away. You must continue to believe. Believe. He goes on. I am glad when I suffer for you in my body, for I am participating in the sufferings of Christ that continue for his body, the church. God has given me the responsibility of serving his church by proclaiming his entire message to you. This message was kept secret for centuries and generations past, but now it has been revealed to God's people. For God wanted them to know that the riches of the glory of Christ are for you Gentiles too. And this is the secret. Christ lives in you. This gives you assurance of sharing his glory. So we tell others about Christ, warning everyone and teaching everyone with all the wisdom God has given us. We want to present them to God perfect in their relationship to Christ. That's why I work and struggle so hard, depending on Christ's mighty power and works within me. And did you hear what Paul just said? That same calling is on you. That same calling is on every Christian. Because we all have been given the ministry of reconciliation. You should be going forth each and every single day proclaiming the entire message of Christ. Look at that. And look at verse 28. So we tell others about Christ, warning everyone and teaching everyone with all the wisdom God has given us. And I love that last part. We want to present them to God perfect in their relationship in Christ. That's how you all should be encouraging each other. Not just going along with all the craziness. Not just doing just to do. That's not being a Christian friend. That's not being a Christian sister or a Christian brother. 
No, when you see a Christian swaying, when you see them doing this or doing that, you need to speak up. You don't want them drifting away. You don't want them just getting caught up. So many of us are just caught up in our day-to-day lives that we're not even walking with Christ and somehow we think we're abiding with Christ. No, you're abiding in your circumstances. You're abiding in your temporalness of life. And that's what's defining you. And you can't yoke Christ who is eternal and yoke him to that which is temporal. That's not how it works. He's not pleased. Remember what I said earlier, we must see sin for what sin is. It's destructive. It lures people to drift away from the fullness of the message of Christ. It takes people captive to hinder the work in which Christ has called them to do. And there's work to be done, and so we must be diligent to preach the good news. He goes on, I want you to know how much I have agonized for you and for the church at Laodicea, and for many other believers who have never met me personally. I want them to be encouraged and knit together by strong ties of love. I want them to have complete confidence that they understand God's mysterious plan for which is Christ himself. In him lie hidden all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge. I am telling you this so no one will deceive you with well-crafted arguments. For though I am far away from you, my heart is with you. And I rejoice that you are living as you should and that your faith in Christ is strong. He understands what's coming against the church in his age, in in our age, in the age to come. Church is going to look crazy. The teachings that are going to be going out there, the truth about Christ is going to look down on. People are just going to keep calling themselves Christians and they're not Christians. We are in a war. But our king is coming. May he find us faithful. And not swept up and swept away in lies. And in deceit and in false teaching. No. I want them to have complete confidence that they understand God's mysterious plan, which is Christ himself. In him lie hidden all the treasures and wisdom and knowledge. You have to shift your thinking. Get over yourself and start focusing on Christ. God, I want to know you more. I want to grow in knowledge of God, and I want to grow in the knowledge of my Lord Jesus Christ. He says, and now, just as you accepted Christ Jesus as your Lord, you must continue to follow him. Let your roots grow down into him and let your lives be built on him. Then your faith will grow strong in the truth you were taught and you will overflow with thankfulness. Did you see those steps? Don't miss them. This is the only way that your faith will grow. 
Look what it says here. And now, just as you accepted Jesus Christ, or Christ Jesus as your Lord, there's an acceptance, there's that belief, there's that confession, you must continue to follow Him. Not just one little prayer, and then just keep going your way. You didn't do anything. You just followed some religious order that keeps you bound thinking you're saved, which in reality you're not. You're, you have a false sense of freedom and you're not free at all. you got a false conversion. You're not born again. You're just religious. No, you must follow him. And then in following him, so you have this acceptance, you have this obedience, which is following him, and then in that, your roots grow down into what? Into him. And let your lives be built on him. Then your faith will grow strong in the truth you were taught, and you will overflow with thankfulness. Are you thankful today? Are you thankful today? You ought to be. Because you remember what happened to the grumblers that we just read about? The angel of death took them. If you're not thankful today, you're not growing. And so then you don't beat yourself up and go, oh, look, I'm not a Christian. No, no, no. You just go, oh, why am I here? Why am I choosing to remain ungrateful? Oh, no, the devil is a liar. You're not keeping me bound. Flesh, you're not holding me back. Jesus! Mm. See, you just turn and he runs to you. He is not going to force himself on you. But you call upon him. Repent. God, I'm sorry. I don't want to keep living this way. And you keep repenting. It's a daily thing in your life. When you feel the conviction, you go, Oh, wait, I don't belong here. God, I'm sorry. Look at this. And then he goes on. Don't let anyone capture you with empty philosophies and high-sounding nonsense that come from human thinking and from the spiritual powers of this world rather than from Christ. Did you, did you see that? There's spiritual powers of this world. Remember that kingdom in which you cannot see? That very kingdom that wants to snatch up your soul? It's infiltrating the church. To teach people wrongly of an antichrist and not Christ himself. And if your roots aren't growing down deep, if you're not growing in your knowledge of God and in Jesus Christ, you are going to be carried away. And when you stand before Jesus at the end of your days, you're not going to hear, well done, my good and faithful servant, enter in. You're going to hear, no, I don't know you. Depart from me. And you say, oh, how could he? That's not a loving God. How could he not? Because it was you who chose not to love. Not him. See, you better know how to start standing up against what's out there. 
You better realize it's coming like this nonstop, where it used to come like maybe one punch here and one punch there. No, no, no. It's got us up against the corner, the, 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 in the corner, and it's just coming at us. But you better get up. And you better get up with the knowledge of who Christ is. And you better start pushing back. Or you could just keep coming to church and oh, whatever. Oh, oh, oh. And that is your choice. But there's so much more, you all, to this life. There's so much more to this life. Don't let anyone take you captive. He goes on here. <clears throat> let me just start over don't, don't let anyone capture you with empty philosophies and high sounding nonsense that come from human thinking and from the spiritual powers of this world rather than from Christ for in Christ lives all the fullness of God in human body so you also are complete through your union with Christ who is the head over every ruler and authority there's that picture of wholeness again. When you came to Christ, you were circumcised, but not by a physical procedure. Christ performed a spiritual circumcision, the cutting away of your old sinful nature. For you were buried with Christ when you were baptized, and with him you were raised to new life because you trusted the mighty power of God who raised Christ from the dead. Do not miss that. Highlight that. Underline that. Look at what you put your trust in. You didn't put your trust in man. You didn't put your trust in anything else. You put your trust that Jesus was raised from the dead. And because he was raised from the dead, I have new life. I can live differently. I can move differently. I can think differently. I can talk differently. I can act differently. My whole being is different. Woo! I'm excited. If you're not experiencing the fullness, I mean, listen, you all, all your days aren't going to be glamorous days. There's been seasons, there has been years in my Christian walk, I wanted to stop. I'm like, oh God, this is so hard. But then when my eyes look upon him and see him for who he is and remind myself, like, oh God, you rose from the dead. You did all of this for me, that I may live. Well, God, I'll get up another day. I don't know how it's all going to come together or what this day may look like. Even in the seasons when I was battling depression and fear and panic and anxiousness and everything else, God, I'll get up because I trust in you. This is what it boils down to. Are you... Are you trusting in Jesus? Are you trusting in him? He, he cut away the old sinful nature. Stop playing with that which has already been removed. He's ugly. She's ugly. She's got nothing for you and he's got nothing for you. That old man, that old woman that keeps trying to take back control. You remind her and you remind him she's dead no matter what your age is. Oh no. 
I am in Christ. I am in Christ. I have died with Him and I've rose up with Him. And now I'm living differently. You were dead because of your sins and because your sinful nature was not yet cut away. Verse 13. Then God made you alive with Christ for He forgave all of your sins. Would you live like one who's been forgiven? Because when you live like you've been forgiven, people take notice. Because that's the hope. He canceled the record of the charges against you. Look at this, you all. And took it away by nailing it to the cross. In this way, look at this, please, you all. He disarmed the spiritual rulers and authorities. He shamed them publicly by his victory over them on the cross. He exposed the enemy of your soul. Look at that. He disarmed him over your life. The enemy has no right to you any longer. Your old nature has no right to you any longer. This world has no right to you any longer. If it has the right, it's because you gave it to them. But did you just read Jesus disarmed the enemy? So stop cowering to fear. Stop cowering to lust. Stop cowering to, to insecurities. Start getting up every day, shifting your mindset to what is true. When was the last time you got up and you looked yourself in the mirror and you say, my God is for me. Amen. He's created me anew. That the devil has been disarmed. That flesh, you have been crucified. And world, you've got nothing in you that I want. I'm living for my God. And so, God, as I'm going out this day, keep me strong, full of faith and confidence, not that I would do good, but that you are good. Because if I keep my eyes on your goodness, then I can't help but be good. Are you talking to yourself that way? Because if not, I'm not quite sure what you're doing. I'm not quite sure how you're living. Well, I know how you're living. <laughs> in chaos and disorder. And grumbling and complaining and bound by lust and perversion. And swayed by every little thing. And, and, and allowing your insecurities to overwhelm you. Listen, you've got to start walking upright with your head up. Wouldn't it be horrible? You know, I was thinking of faith the other day. And I was remembering when I saw you in your, in your troop, and all those troops out there, in your exercises, and how you had to march, you know? Could you imagine if one of those groups came out? Think about this. Could you imagine if they came out? Those generals and those people who are marking them will be like, could you imagine if they came all down and depressed their heads down? Who are they representing? Yeah. But all those groups, they stood to attention. 
They marched. And you guess what? Probably all of those kids had circumstances going on in their life that probably wanted to pull them down. But they chose that day to walk upright and to move in formation and to stay in line. They didn't let what happened maybe at home that morning to affect them. They didn't let what happened to them maybe their entire lives affect them. In that moment, they were upright. And they were following commands. And they were moving in order. It didn't look chaotic. At least I didn't see. Do you know what I'm talking about? That's how we should be living. We have things that have happened to us. We have things going on in our hearts and our lives right now, this moment. But we are the church. And we choose to get up, to walk in obedience, to trust God, to help us through, to endure, to honor Him. You don't walk all down and dumpy. No, you walk upright with confidence. Not that your circumstances would even change. No, just confidence in God. Amen. And then people take notice. People take notice that there's something different about you. He's disarmed the enemy, you all. So look at verse 16. Some more good news. So don't let anyone condemn you for what you eat or drink or for not celebrating certain holidays or new moon ceremonies or Sabbaths. For these rules are only shadows of the reality yet to come and Christ himself is that reality. Don't let anyone condemn you by insisting on pious self-denial or the worship of angels saying they have had visions about these things. Their sinful minds have made them proud, and they are not connected to Christ, the head of the body, for he holds the whole body together with its joints and ligaments, and it grows as God nourishes it. You have died with Christ, and, has, and he has set you free from the spiritual powers of this world. So why do you keep following the rules of the world, such as don't handle, don't taste, don't touch? Such rules are mere human teachings about things that deteriorate as we use them. These rules may seem wise because they require strong devotion, pious self-denial, and severe bodily discipline, but they provide no help and conquering a person's evil desires. Be careful of religion. Be careful of religion that keeps putting the law before Christ. Back in the Old Testament, you needed the law. But in the New Covenant, you need Christ. And then when you're in Christ, I don't have to come along and say, Antoinette, don't do this, don't do that, don't do this, don't do that, don't do this, don't do that. No, 
No, because she's in Christ. She begins to live differently. Not because man is telling her, you can't do this, you can't do that. You must do it this way. You have to worship this day. You can't eat that. You can't do this. You can't do that. No, that's demonic. It's a false teaching. And we ought not to embrace it. Because it's giving the wrong message to people. Give them Jesus. Give them Jesus. And when they're in Christ, they can't help but change for the better. Because God is good. So it's not about putting law down on people. It's just about loving them. It's just about loving them. Because his love compels us to obey. I don't need someone to tell me what I can't and what I can't do. Because I'm in Christ. And I just need him to keep leading me. I mean, this is what it's boiling down to. He goes on, since you have been raised to new life with Christ, set your sights on the realities of heaven where Christ sits in the place of honor at God's right hand. Think about the things of heaven, not the things of earth. For you died to this life and your real life is hidden with Christ and God. And when Christ, who is your life, is revealed to the whole world, you will share in all of his glory. Do you remind yourself daily that you've been raised to a new life with Christ, that you're setting your sights on the realities of heaven where Christ sits in the place of honor at God's right hand? See, you should think about things of heaven, not the things of earth. What do people hear coming out of your mouth? What do people see on the platform of social media that you're sharing your life with them? What are people seeing coming from your life? You have died to this life. Your real life is hidden in Christ, with Christ in God. This is all we have, you all. And it's the greatest news ever. Like, Jesus, you all, strip the power of darkness down. He stripped through the flesh to that sin nature, and he has stripped the world. He is victorious. So who are you going to follow today when you get up from this place? That which is defeated. Listen, I've told you all, I don't make light. I don't, I'm not telling you that the Christian life is the easiest road. Because Jesus himself says it's not. So before you follow him, consider the cost. But please consider the cost. Don't say you're following him and then you're not. Don't do that. I have more respect for people who say, nope, I'm not following Jesus. I got more respect. I respect that person. 
I'll serve that person. I don't hate that person no matter what lifestyle they want to do. They have a right to live however they want to live. But I'm telling you, the church is under attack by people who want to come in, claim to be Christians, and they're not. Live however the way they want to live and slap Jesus on their, on their forehead. Listen, we've got to stand up, you all. But we've got to stand up for truth. Stop playing these weird games with people who think that they're Christians. We've got to uphold truth first for your own life and then for the lives of those around you. I mean, I got a call the other day from these parents desperate for their daughter who has come out gay. She was raised in the church. She believes that she's a Christian because society tells her and the church is telling her she can be. And where is that in the Word of God? And every time I talk to parents or or I counsel people who are in the lifestyle, I say, oh God, help us to realize that their temptation, their desire is no different than one who's a gossiper. The gospel's no different for one who is struggling with homosexuality than one who can't keep their mouth shut. It's the same gospel. It's the same gospel. You can't keep doing and doing and doing. But do you know why homosexuals have a problem coming up in the church? Does anyone know? Because guess if I came in today to sit among you all. And I was homosexual. And I'm hearing the preacher preach. Die to yourself. Follow Christ. Obey Jesus. He's disarmed the rulers. He's disarmed the flesh. He's disarmed the world. Live for Jesus. Hate sin. Expose sin. And yet, I walk out the door with you. You're a Christian. You may not be bent the way I'm bent, but what am I going to see in your life? What do I know that the pastor knows about you and it's not being addressed? But yet everyone's eyes are focused on me. Like I'm the problem. You see, that's what we've done with people who are enslaved to homosexuality, bisexuality, gender neutral, all this other new stuff that's coming onto the scene. We look at them like they're bad. Something's wrong with you. No, something's wrong with the gossiper. Something's wrong with the grumbler and the complainer. Something's wrong with someone who has an anger issue. Something's wrong 
And that something is sin. It's sin. And it must be addressed. And no matter what form or fashion, it disguises itself. We as the church must address it. Because it's what Jesus did. He defeated it. So we just can't keep telling people, oh, just be and live however you want. Jesus understands. It's okay. It's okay. It's not a big deal. Jesus gave his life. Listen, when he set me free, he just didn't set me free from homosexuality. He set me free from the whole nature that is against him. <coughs> that was just one area of my life that I was bent Now, come on. That's what I'm trying to encourage us here. We have the gospel to share with people. These are things that we've, been, we've put to death. We need to let the message of Christ and all its richness fill our lives. We cannot make it about religion and the law. It says, since you have been raised, to, been raised to new life with Christ, set your sights on the realities of heaven. So put to death in verse 5, the sinful earthly things lurking within you. Have nothing to do with sexual morality, impurity, lust, and evil desires. Don't be greedy. For a greedy person is an idolater, worshiping the things of the world. Because of these sins, the anger of God is coming. Because of these sins, all of them, not just an exclusive group of them, but everything, the anger of God is being stored up and it is soon to be released. You used to do these things when your life was still part of this world. But now it's time to get rid of anger, rage, malicious behavior, slander, and dirty language. Don't lie to each other, for you have stripped off your old sinful nature and all of its wicked deeds. Put on your new nature and be renewed as you learn to know your Creator and become like Him. In this new life, it doesn't matter if you are Jew or Gentile, circumcised or uncircumcised, barbaric, uncivilized, slave or free, Christ is all that matters, and He lives in all of us. Since God chose you to be the holy people He loves, you must clothe yourself with tender-hearted mercy, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience. Make allowance for each other's faults and forgive anyone who offends you. Remember the Lord forgave you, so you must forgive others. Above all, clothe yourselves with love, which binds us all together in perfect harmony. And let the peace that comes from Christ rule in your hearts. For as members of one body, you are called to live in peace and always be thankful. Let the message about Christ and all its richness fill your lives. Teach and counsel each other with all wisdom and, and as wisdom he gives. Sing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs to God with thankful hearts. And whatever you do or say, do it as a representative of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks through him to God the Father. This is how you should be living. 
It's the hardest thing to try to encourage people to come to Christ as I back to that story of this parents calling me about their daughter when the daughter is being told by the church she's all right. And then I look like the crazy one. You look like the crazy one believing everything that the word of God says. How do you disciple people by sharing what I just read? Changing your mindset. How does the Bible say he transforms us? By changing the way we think. By changing the way we think. Consider yourselves dead. Put on the fullness of Christ. That the message about Christ and all of its richness fill your lives. Then he goes on. Wives, submit to your husbands as is fitting for those who belong to the Lord. Husbands, love your wives, never treat them harshly. Children, always obey your parents, for this pleases the Lord. Fathers, do not aggravate your children, or they will become discouraged. Slaves, obey your earthly masters in everything you do. Try to please them all the time, not just when they are watching you. Serve them sincerely because of your reverent fear of the Lord. Work willingly in whatever you do as though you are working for the Lord rather than for people. Remember that the Lord will give you an inheritance as your reward and that the master you are serving is Christ. But if you do what is wrong, you will be paid back for the wrong you have done. For God has no favorites. Masters, you, masters, be just and fair to your slaves. Remember, you have a master in heaven. He's bringing order to the structure of family. He's bringing order to structure for their time of slaves and masters. And our times, we can look at it as our employers being employees and employers. And ultimately, what is it to honor God in these relationships? And not try to twist them to fit the world's agenda. And then I close with these last bit of verses. Devote yourselves to prayer with an alert mind and a thankful heart. Pray for us too that God will give us many opportunities to speak about his mysterious plan concerning Christ. This is why I am here in chains. Pray that I will proclaim this message as clearly as I should. Live wisely among those who are not believers and make the most of every opportunity. Let your conversation be gracious and attractive so that you will have the right response for everyone. This is Paul. And this is your life. This is how we're to be living, you all. Listen, we're not going to be accepted. The world is going to keep trying to push us out. We're not trying to find acceptance, you all, in the ways of this world. Christ is very clear. The Holy Spirit inspired Paul to write this letter. He gave instructions for the Christian household. Do you see the structure for a Christian household? Wife, 
a husband, and children. That's how God designed it. That's how God designed it. In a day and age where marriage is just whatever and whoever, we better wake up. And we just, as Christians, just can't go the ways of the world. As employees and employers, there's a way in which you ought to be serving and honoring God. Your life, you all, for the gospel. To grow in the knowledge of God and of our Lord Jesus. This is what I'm challenging you all with today. To get up from this place and grow up. Grow up. No matter what your age is. Grow in the knowledge of God and of our Lord Jesus. And serve Him, you all, faithfully. There's no other good news out there. Like this. There's no other God... There's no other religion that can give you what God has for us. Holdness, you all. I'll close this with this last song, and then I'll close this in prayer.
Yeah.